0: I can tell you as a professional property investor, the last thing I care about is interest rates. Like if you are going to bed thinking about interest rates and what it potentially could do to impact your world, um, if you're honestly worried about that, you need a financial health check. Welcome to the Urban Property Investor. I'm your host, Sam Saggers, here to help you crack the code of real estate wealth. Today's show, a code cracker. We're going to dig into doom. Yes, we're going to learn some sins when it comes to real estate. We're going to have the doom conversation, which is never fun. But we're also going to leave this episode understanding philosophy and psychology that surrounds the real estate economy. If it's your first time tuning into the show, welcome to the show, Just remember, play the show in double speed. And of course, other episodes of the podcast are all lessons on real estate. So if you want to learn, you go listen to the episodes. If you want to listen to Waffle, then you go somewhere else because there's plenty of podcasts that waffle. This podcast is all about lessons. Today's lesson, we're going to learn about philosophy. We're going to learn about psychology. We're going to dig into doom. There's a lot of doom in the world right now. I'm sure you would agree what we are seeing over in Europe is just mind-blowing. I think old Putin's finally lost his marbles. You would have to say the dude has finally lost his marbles. I thought he had lost his marbles when he was uh, shirtless on a white horse. Imagine ScoMo on a white horse without a shirt on running around. Absolutely bananas what he is doing to the Ukraine. And, of course, this is all geopolitical tensions. There's background stories to all this. Has NATO breached uh, Russian, you know, confidence by basically encroaching too far to Moscow? Has the Ukraine really, uh, with their independent approach to life, just pushed the buttons of a madman with what they have done, with where they are going with their country. And of course, uh, recent history of the Ukraine goes back about eight years where they kind of had their Les Miserables moment where they overthrew the government, the people overthrew the government, and of course, uh, very sort of liberal people are now in charge of the Ukraine who allow people to do things. You do not have to get a permit to protest you can watch facebook you can be free and of course i think the madman himself hates this because if this does rot into the russian society i think it's the end of him as a tyrant but there's a lot going on when it comes to the geopolitical position over there i am no expert i'm just here to tell you that as a property investor We have to go through periods of doom, and there is more doom than there is sunny days when it comes to real estate. Of course, my wife, who's a Moldovan Gopnik, is actually in Moldova at the moment, and bless her cotton socks, she is in there, helping right now as we speak we are watching the war on television my wife is at the war she is the bravest person i know she is literally on the border with the ukraine right now helping refugees we said what can we do so we've taken some money out of our savings and we are spending on refugees right now as we speak because they are flooding into moldova And what is so fascinating is the Ukrainian currency is worthless outside of the Ukraine. So all those pictures you see of people lining up to withdraw money and do the runner out of the country and get their wives and kids and children safe. Well, it's working, but there is no money in people's back pockets because as they leave the Ukraine, obviously, no one knows if the money is going to be worth anything next week, so there is no barter system or exchange system. So we are doing what we can. My wife is looking for some apartments for some people, and we are apparently just bought a thousand dollars worth of baby food to hand out down at the border refugee camps. And of course, my wife's no stranger to what is going on, her country, was basically invaded back uh, in Soviet times and as the Soviet Union broke apart there was a war in her country as well. There is a breakaway Republic called Transnistia which is Russian run. It is kind of like a beachhead if you like for the Russian government and there is the army based in Transnistia. in fact missiles are flying around from Transnistia into the Ukraine. Transnistia being part of Moldova, so my wife is waking up, hearing some of the some of the problems, the war, and dealing with the refugee crisis. So hopefully, by the time this show goes to air, there is some sort of peace treaty signed, and and we're all, uh, you know, hopefully, um, and I'm sure we're all praying that that actually happens. But this show goes out to my wife. Well done, babe. You are Joan of Arc. And we will see more geopolitical tensions off the back of what is unfolding in Europe. Without question, the spheres of the world influence are a big conversation. We are part of the Western world. Uh, There are other spheres of influence. Obviously, the Russian sphere of influence inside of Europe and Asia and, of course, the Chinese fear of influence inside of Asia, particularly, and the Pacific. And, of course, these geopolitical issues do have ramifications. They have trading ramifications in a big way. And, of course, trade is a measurement of GDP. And when trade gets interrupted, obviously, your economy can be challenged. And of course, you know, the reports are the Russian economy is going to be challenged because of basically trade embargoes now on the Russian Federation. Putin, he's a madman. Most Russian people do not want this dude uh, letting loose on the world. They are kind of captive to the man. So, hey, who knows what happens next. But as a property investor, we've got to work through the concept that there is always going to be something coming along to meddle with the system. So probably the first trend you will see constantly through your lifetime as a property investor is geopolitical issues. Australia right now has so many geopolitical issues with the Chinese government that it's it's beyond belief. Like the two governments don't even talk to each other. They are kind of uh, at or back at some sort of Cold War-esque level of dialogue, like there is no dialogue. And, of course, China is Australia's, or one of Australia's major trading partners. And, of course, this can affect all sorts of industries inside of Australian economics. Again, geopolitical tensions are just a good reminder why we want to keep things really simple when it comes to real estate investment. We want to check, uh, pick a good place to invest, a great location, a good long-term location, not a fad, right? There's a lot of fads in real estate. There's a lot of hot spots. There's a lot of, uh, you know, Gopnik little villages where you can get a bargain. Hey, we don't want the fads. We just want something boring and simple, like investing in a property in a major urban area. Why? Because definitely geopolitical tensions will pay a part into the future. Many industries will be impacted. And of course, when industries are impacted by geopolitical tensions, that has a domino effect, right? And of course, the more jobs in an economy, the less impact that economy has. Now, think about... Things which disappear right i think you can all go back to for example australia produced and manufactured cars we had a, a car manufacturing presence in australia we were like one of seven countries around the world that could build a car from scratch you could literally go there's no car and then it would come off the assembly line and there would be a car that obviously disappeared because of really uh you know, Australia's inability to produce affordable cars and and arguably even good cars. And so when that disappeared, many cities were like, well, is this going to create just a massive problem for their cities? And it didn't, right? And the reason it didn't is because there was plenty of other jobs for those highly skilled people to go and find, right? So this is the point, like... If you're in a small town and one of these industries shuts down, that is the end of the town. And of course, it is a bit of a deadly sin to put yourself in a property position where you're going to be impacted even by geopolitical tensions, which feel far away. But the point is, uh, things like what we are seeing unfold are real. They happen. And as such... You know, it's just a good reminder that we want to keep things simple as a property investor. We will feel better from a psychological point of view if we own assets in major urban areas. I have studied human beings and when they buy in sleepy little towns, they get very nervous. They, When those sleepy towns go to sleep, they wake up. And they wake up in a big way and start to get very, very nervous. They want to, they, There is no news that comes out of little places. They are completely concerned their money is trapped in weird little Gopnik villages. I've seen this before. When people buy real estate in just normal parts of a normal city like Melbourne or Sydney or whatever it may be, they feel normal. They feel normal because it is a normal place. So don't take the risk to go to weird, strange places. Probably tip number one of geopolitical tensions around the world. It will probably continue to get even worse. And one could argue, you know, potentially this is the start of, of really a new Cold War, or be it right now. Uh, as I go to air, a hot war. We are in a hot war. There is action happening, and it is yeah disgraceful to watch. So that's the first, I guess, doom or piece of doom which property investors have to deal with. Right? We've had a second piece of doom over the last couple of uh, weeks. Um, certainly, last couple of days as this goes to air, we have seen floods right We are seeing climate problems happen in our society now Brisbane has and Southeast Queensland has has gone through a, a major piece of rainfall and of course this creates a lot of short-term doom people will feel doomy about what has happened and of course Sydney last year uh, in Western Sydney had some had some pretty major flooding occur. And of course, other places like Port Macquarie and uh, so forth, major, major flooding. And of course, we've had bushfires of recent time. We've even had an earthquake in Melbourne. All of this stuff can absolutely wear property investors down because property is not a share like you, it is a physical object. And for physical objects, it has to, they have to interface with the environment and this is one of the biggest challenges for property investors as they go through this journey of being a, a property investor remember to be a great property investor you have to go through the long-term pain of owning real estate and the reason property investors exist is to buy pain and solve it that sounds kind of weird doesn't it you have to actually find a problem and solve it when you think about buying a property at an affordable price, probably in a suburb which is not perfect, the consensus says that suburb is not perfect and that is the reason why you're buying a property which is affordable, you have to buy a problem. You're buying the problem of a suburb where the consensus is this suburb is not perfect. You apply time to the owning of that property And if you've done your research right, you should see over a 15 or 20-year period, a transformation of that suburb's fortunes. And of course, with that transformation, you get a result. And that is the problem of being a property investor. When you become a property investor, you buy the problem of time. Remember, first uh, six years is really speculation because so much can happen. You can get so much doom. The day you buy could be the day doom actually starts and of course what that can do to your investment no matter what you buy is basically just lower the demand for a short period of time. Remember, short-term investing is 0 to 12 years, medium-term investing 13 to 20 and 21 plus years is long-term investing. I'm a long-term investor. Uh And I coach my clients to be long-term investors because there is just so much stuff that can happen in the shorter term, particularly in the speculation period. I find when people get over that seven-year itch, they're usually in a place where they've got equity, they've got results from real estate, and for people then they can kind of feel very, very good about holding real estate for the the long-term period, right? But let's face it, uh, we can go through periods where there is stagnation and a lot of this has to do with the doom gauge. So climate pays a part and I always teach people climate risk because the biggest risks to real estate are not only market risk, they are insurance risk. So there's kind of four major risk groups which I teach people, right? You've got market risk got operational risks you've got capital cost risk and you've got insurance risk and obviously you need to own real estate in areas which are insurable despite things like floods coming along like no one control can control the weather but the point is where the uh, floods have been of late have all been insurable areas which is great there are uninsurable places in fact uh you could go above what is it the tropic of capricorn and most real estate above the tropic of capricorn would are struggling to get enough insurers to want to partake in insuring real estate above the tropic of capricorn so you've got to be very very uh you know You've got to absolutely hone in here. Keep it simple because you're going to deal with doom. We're dealing with geopolitical tensions as property investors. We're dealing with things like floods as property investors. And this rattles people's psychology in a big way, right? We are dealing with bushfires. So you constantly deal with stuff. And I think, you know, COVID times, if you like, have been you know, a little bit of a blessing in disguise for the property market, but it's kind of also masked, if you like, that real estate is a tough sport. It's not an easy game to play. It's not as simple as just buying something and it goes up in value. You've got to work your way through problems and problems are a plenty, right? That's just the nature of the beast. So, The next thing I want to teach you is the idea of philosophy. Philosophy plays a massive part in psychology. Now, there are two types of, or two pieces of philosophy which I teach my clients. One is agnotology, and the other is epistemology, which uh, hopefully I'm saying right. Agnotology is the production of ignorance. Yes, that is uh, philosophy to produce ignorance. Agnotology is the production of ignorance. Epistemology is the production of knowledge, something real, right? And so as a property investor, we're going to constantly read newspapers, see the news, go home and watch the news. And again, if we are not across what is real and what is fake, we can have the bejesus scared out of us. Even watching the war, you know, depending on which television program you watch, you can see both epistemology and agnotology at work. You can see fake news. You can see real news. And again, it's it's. Uh, I think you know, the only thing Trump really sort of came up with was the idea that. There is fake news, right? And, he, and everyone's kind of uh, realized, well, agnotology is out there, right? And as a property investor, you're going to be fed so much media noise that it can scare you as a property investor. And again, I see so many people get scared because of agnotology, the production of ignorance, that they give up on real estate too quickly. And everyone produces fake news. It's just like it's it's so widespread. You can go and watch banks and banks, as you know, are massive producers of fake news. They will give everyone a forecast that interest rates are going to go up and really what they're doing is agnotology producing ignorance so people feel like oh the bank says the interest rates are going to go up so what are they doing actually they're selling fixed mortgages right so this again is the ongoings inside the real estate marketplace now a lot of coaches will say just turn down the noise and you'll never have a problem certainly plenty of people i work with operate that way they sort of don't even watch television right which is great I'm probably more a wide eyes wide open kind of dude. I like to, uh, I like to see the agnotology and epistemology. I like to understand. Well, hang on a minute. That is so fake. Wow, what bullshit! How can they say that? And then I like to, you know, uh, concur that things are actually knowledgeable and real, right? So I think as a property investor, we've got to be able to understand there is a difference between the two okay and it is philosophy it's not just someone going yeah that's not real mate like there is a science behind this stuff and media organizations love clickbait and i think doom is you know if it bleeds it leads as they say in the media industry so you know you have to read between the lines you have to be skilled so remember magnetology and epistemology what is real what is fake i even see like for example investor agents and buyers agents and and so forth you know basically use fake news constantly to uh produce ignorance right then their version of ignorance is show something fake and you'll basically get someone to fall into the trap of doing business with you and of course I see so many little Gopnik deals by buyers agents have been around the block for about two years uh, talking about you know stuff that you know you shouldn't buy right it is they're they're spreading the production of ignorance that's all they're doing they're going you're ignorant I'm going to spread more ignorance to you and fool you into activating yourself on a lemon, right? That's that's what's going on out there. And I see so many buyers agents that do two-day courses on real estate, and they've been buyers agents for two years. I'm telling you, like they're just not skilled enough. They haven't been around the block enough to see the cycles do their thing, right? The cycles do their thing. And uh it's you know perhaps that they don't even realize they're doing it i don't know but that's what's happening right that is what is happening so other doomy things you are no doubt going to see is inside of economics is always the stock market crash stock market as they say in the game takes the elevator up and uh well no sorry takes the escalator up and the elevator down So it can have big swings and one could argue there are so many stocks overpriced at the moment that no doubt a correction in the stock market is due. There are a lot of stocks out there where the companies actually have no customers but lots of investors. And, you know, there are some really high-level companies that have this, you know, problem, if you like. And again, it's like, it's just that you know people aren't buying their stuff but people believe in their future so they attract so much capital to invest but they've never made a profit and again like the whole concept of running a company is to make a profit as a director of a company your job is to make a profit and a lot of these companies are kind of profitless Company, So, you know, it's a bit of a profitless share boom at the moment. So companies' stock values are rising because investors believe in the company's future. They're betting on the future, but there is no profit in the company. And so you you see this across the board, particularly with some of the tech stocks and particularly with uh, some of those more venture capitalist stocks, which are in the market. In the share market and i think there will be a correction because as you know these things unfold you tend to see a bit of a cycle the cycle generally is you see you know a massive sort of land grab go down and and we have seen a land grab of late uh you see massive government stimulus we've seen huge government stimulus the australian government has created a stimmy boom right For a while there, half the country was being paid to sit at home uh, while, you know, businesses couldn't operate. Massive stimmy boom. We were seeing infrastructure spending. stimmy, stimmy, stimmies. And again, like, uh, stimmies create a lot of inflation. And so, you know, you're going to see some of this stuff, this noise affect the real estate marketplace. And uh, without question... We have seen real estate activity being very frenetic of late, but with that comes a cost. And you will see the cost of the stimulus, if you like, unfold now. You're going to see it in the next year or two, and and you're probably seeing early signs of foreclosures. Foreclosures are just part of an activity activity Uh, malfunction if you like and one of the biggest challenges for many businesses connected to supply chain challenges is they are not getting equipped quick enough and so many for example businesses don't have the right staff levels at them at the moment they'll probably go out of business if they can't fix that quickly many businesses for example, some builders out in the marketplace are just not able to buy uh, goods fairly enough to honor the jobs which they've signed up for. So a lot of uh, insolvencies are going to unfold inside the business market. This has a flow-on effect, right? Right. There are subcontractors, there are other businesses which are connected to those businesses and of course, this creates doom. And again, in this example, this is real doom. This is epistemology, it's knowledge. It's like we know what's going on. And again, for a lot of property investors, they'll go hide in their mum's basement when there's this stuff floating around. But actually, this is the point of being a property investor. When you become a property investor, you look for problems. Some. Problems which are occurring inside society are going to create opportunities again uh, after expansion comes contraction but after contraction comes expansion that's how it always works that's the system and so whether there is an expanding period and you want to buy and and wheel and deal and get growth off the cycle, or whether there's a contracting period and you want to find pain and invest in the pain, it's completely up to you. But I'm here to tell you as a property investor, you do both. That's, That's the point of being a property investor. You find opportunity usually from challenges in the economy. And again, doom is what the newspapers will throw out as a property investor, you have to almost go, great, there's finally a little bit of doom out there. How do I play amongst the doom, right? That's the that's the game of being a property investor. So certainly the stock market provides doom. Geopolitical tensions provide doom. The climate can provide so much doom. Uh, inflation provides doom. Everyone hates inflation. Inflation is just obviously the idea that when people want more of something, it inflates quicker. We saw that particularly with the real estate market over the last sort of 18 months. If people want something, it inflates quicker. If there's not enough of something, it inflates quicker. And of course, to slow down inflation, to make sure that things still remain affordable, the powers that be, if you like, tend to want to up interest rates or change the cost to borrow money so people spend less to control inflation. And again, inflation is kind of a health metric of what is going on. People want stuff, there's not enough stuff around, so it basically goes up in value. And again, like inflation is absolutely going to be a thing that you know people get all doomy about, but. I can tell you as a professional property investor, the last thing I care about is interest rates. Like, if you are going to bed thinking about interest rates and what it potentially could in- do to impact your world, um, if you're honestly worried about that, you need a financial health check because, you know, I work with 11 other coaches, if you like, of finance. And I don't not one of us is sort of worried if interest rates were to go up, like because we set up buffers, we've got a game plan, right? And I think it's a deadly sin to not treat business like real estate as a business. And this is this is the challenge for people, is they put themselves in these in the environment of being a property investor, but forget to set up the right structures, having offsets, having equity buffers, having uh, you know the ability to prepay their mortgage, even if they're worried about it, right? So you've got to you've got to put yourself in a winning position because doom is no doubt uh, always going to rattle you. So again, like a lot of property investors I know, really don't care about the interest rate conversation. It's kind of a boring conversation, and if it's not a boring conversation to you, it. Just use that lesson, if you like, as a bit of a wake-up call that potentially you've got to structure your assets better so you don't even care about this stuff. Like, why are we even talking about the uh, possibility of an interest rate rise, right? That is, again, just a failure to play, if you ask me. You're not playing the game. You've got to play the game the way it is. And again... You know, this is why you've got to to have a bit of a checklist as to the doom world. And I'll give you some tips um, as we sort of flow on. What other doom is out there? Well, definitely you've got uh, geopolitical doom, you've got the stock market, you've got uh, trade wars, you've got inflation, you've got supply chain issues, you've got climate change issues. I mean, a lot of the cost in building have gone up, not only from COVID, but from the 2019 bushfires. Like climate change is costing everyone who's renovating their house. It's as simple as that. And again, like if you, you'll see things in the newspapers, like Bob can't afford to finish his renovation because things have skyrocketed in price. That's going to happen. And your job is to firstly go, well, is that, Epistemology or is that agnotology? That's the first thing. Is that gonna psychologically rattle me? Is there actually opportunities in some of these sort of things going on, right? And that's just the way it works, right? So we have to deal with this stuff called doom. And, you know, as a property investor, it's just it's just the conversation I need to have today, right? So what other doom is out there? Well, without question, you can see uh you know, things like over what is occurring in China. I mean, China's property market could melt down tomorrow morning. Debt levels are very, very high with developers. There's a lot of unsold stock. This could send uh, a short-term shockwave around the world that, you know, debt is, is not going to be recovered. As I've alluded to, I think on past podcasts, you know, there's over 20 million unsold properties in China. China builds ghost cities, Hopes the population increases and moves to these ghost cities. They've obviously got a massive population. So they have to control housing completely different to Australia, where they have to build it first in case there is a spike in population. You know, a billion people, you need to have spare inventory. And of course, a lot of that spare inventory is not being sold at the moment as China's economic progress through coronavirus stalls a tad. So, again, this is all normal. I mean, I personally loved living through the global financial meltdown in 2008. There was so much opportunity that spun off the back of that. There was opportunities to buy distressed assets there was opportunities to do get vendor financing deals done there was opportunities to acquire more assets using other people's money than ever before and so doom is not just a a thing which you know you have to hide from you can actually embrace and play within the doom space but i think all of this doom comes back to some very simple pieces of logic inside of real estate. First one is you've always got to play. You've always got to attack and defend in real estate. And if you're not structured right, you're not not attacking and defending yourself through uh, the more darker days, which are inside of real estate. Think about other doom, which is definitely going to play a part. And I think probably the most doomy thing is political leaders, right? Political leaders tend to play God at the moment. Most of them like want to be these demigods and the way they influence us mere mortals inside of real estate can bring in with it a lot of doom, right? You know, you've had APRA back in 2017, 16, you know, cause massive malfunctions in the real estate marketplace by intervening and not lending, allowing money to be lent to investors. And again, debt levels basically were high, but what that is now going to do is cause a domino effect that there is no stock. So again, just poor decision-making and political leaders make decisions if they can win votes. And I think what you will see is obviously the split of the middle class at the moment. Um, you're definitely going to see it and feel it into the next couple of years. And you're going to get like this doom from demigod political leaders, which basically go, you know what? We don't want the real estate market to work. We're going to make it more affordable for people to get a roof over their head and, uh, There's going to be an agenda for that that is going to impact the real estate market. There are already levies being spoken about to apply to particularly developers to produce stock. They need to contribute, for example, to an affordable housing fund. So there is a lot going on, which from a political standpoint can create a lot of unease in the real estate market. It's not going to go away. It's always going to be like that. For every good influence political powers do to the real estate market, there is a counter influence as well. And again, you're going to see doom coming from yeah that side. That part of the world is is probably one of the most uh, you know interesting ones because pol- politicians love controlling the narrative and will use agnotology, the production of ing- ignorance, to do it. They will win votes by picking on someone. And I think, you know, we can go back to Bill Shorten's campaign, which was flawed. He decided to do it. He went for it, right? He went straight up the guts. He was like, I'm going up the guts with this. I am going to say there's two classes in Australia, the rich, are the people who provide the houses are going to be completely disadvantaged so the people that don't provide the houses get uh you know get get a more affordable product and it got spat out right but that idea of producing ignorance around that was the political forum and again we just need to be able to go you know where in where as a property investor buying the problem of time and you're not going to go 20 years as a property investor without trade wars real wars stock market crashing uh climate challenges bushfire rains floods you're not going to go through 20 years and not get interest rates going up you're not going to go 20 years Um, and not having political leaders meddle with the system. It's just not going to happen. So knowing that, I think we can all put that to bed, right? That's the purpose of today's podcast. Put it to bed. Like move on with your life. Don't even, um, you know, just learn how to play the game. And the game requires you to be structured well. And this is where I think property investment breaks down for people. I mean, I teach seven plans in property investing because property investment is not about buying a property. So many people focus on the buying the property part and think that is just all you need to do. It's not at all. It's one component. Then you've got to come up with a rental growth plan, like how you're going to, how are you going to look after your assets, insurance, operational costs, fixing things, capital costs? What's the market doing? How do you apply a flywheel to that? Where is the rent gap on the assets? Is the rent gap the location rent gap? Is it the lease rent gap? Is it the tenant rent gap? Is it the market rent gap? There's a lot to cover in just the rental part of this puzzle. Then you've got things like... Uh, you've got to look after your finances. So you need buffers, you need uh, redraws, you need ways to play the game so that if you lose your job tomorrow morning, you've got a safety buffer. If you interest rates move, you've got a safety buffer. Buffer. If something happens, you've got cash flow. You've got cash flow. What is your cash flow profile? You need other plans like wealth acceleration. I mean, um, becoming wealthy out of owning two properties is not necessarily going to happen. So you need to branch out and do some other things to change the trajectory of your cash flow, right? And so I teach seven plans. Um and again, that's just because property investment is not just about buying a property; it is about the investment journey. And property is just the property part. The investment part is the journey, right? And so, I think this kind of blows so many people apart. And you know, particularly, uh, you know, people who just go through the buying buying phase, right? Um, and this is why. You want a really good team. You want great property managers, great finance brokers. Uh, you want great tax specialists because there's, there's seven legitimate plans that you need to go and do. You need a tax minimization plan. You need a uh, wealth acceleration plan. You need a financial plan to retire, right? So there's a lot of planning involved to go from, I'm buying a property today in 2022 and in 2043 I'm actually going to retire. Like that is a massive journey, dude. And again, the more you treat it with contempt, you know, the the the, the really uh unless you're, you know, obviously knowledgeable and skilled in this stuff, you know, I don't think people can do it themselves. I think they need a team. So just my viewpoint because there's just so much that goes on you know the floods that happened last week you know for a lot of people were scary right for a lot of people were scary however when you've been through a flood it is not scary because you have the education of doing that and again for a lot of property investors they have just not experienced something So they're not educated to, they have not produced knowledge. They have not uh, created epistemology in their knowledge base, the production of knowledge. Now, uh, I've had properties that have flooded. My street where I'm sitting right now has been underwater. And again, it's not a flood-prone place, but climate challenges are real like who knows where it's going to rain right it's not something you can control but you can control having insurance you can control uh you know fixing your property up and and actually benefiting from the insurance and what that actually looks like so again like the production of ignorance is is out there but for many property investors they are ignorant to things because they have never experienced things. And this is where I'm very cautious of going, well, hang on a minute, that dude, your l- love of Facebook has been in real estate for three years. Are you nuts? There, There is no epistemology. There is no knowledge in having done... You could not have possibly have done as uh, many things that have unfolded in the real estate market when you know, to, compared to someone who's been around for 30 years, right? There's some great people doing podcasts. They've been around 30 years doing this stuff, man. Like they know what they're talking about, right? I don't agree with everything they say, but I know they know what they're talking about. I can have a difference of opinion, but they know what they're talking about. I like to think I know what I'm talking about. I've been doing this since 1992. Like Wow. Think about that, right? Like I've been involved in real estate since the early 90s. That's bananas. So uh, I feel old. I feel old. So remember there's sins, right? The first sin is a failure to play. The second sin is not buying the owner-occupier real estate. Because of doom, the major reason we want owner-occupier stuff, not stuff which is a fad, is because there are more dark days than bright days in economics. And so when the bright days come, that's great. But when the dark days come, you want a defensive asset which holds the line. And, of course, owner-occupier real estate does that. I think, you know, the, the third deadly sin, if you like, of this stuff is just not being creative enough to see through the bullshit, right? Like, you've got to be educated to see through the drama, and again, like I'm, I'm, I'm explaining that people do get educated um, around this stuff, and they do put themselves in positions to win because they, they play the game for real. They don't just, uh, you know, have a dabble. They uh, do this full time. And again, wealth is is just a full time journey. You got to work on it every day, whether that's psychology, philosophy, asset allocation. Uh, whether that's refinancing stuff it's just constant right and the doom is out there to come and get you remember next deadly sin is just buying in a subpar location because when things get gloomy subpar locations get hit the hardest and again like i've seen this stuff unfold right so i'm very very like you know anti-fad if you like Um, I think a lot of the work from anywhere conversation has been overstated. I've seen uh, holiday communities get decimated when financial things like the stock market crash. Why? Because the recall of money, remember the stock market, quite often people uh, have margins and can be margin called. So what happens is, when the stock market implodes, people have to pay some of the money back, right? And the best way for them to pay back money is liquidate assets. Quite often, the first thing to go is that coastal holiday house down the coast uh, because it's discretionary. Like the people don't need it anymore. So they offload it. And again, that that creates uh, glut of well uh, an overstock level in some of these holiday communities. So I've seen this happen. So this is why everyone I listen to and and believe in real estate will just come back to the simple logic. Just keep it simple stupid. Location, you know, just buy something in a good city and just sit on it, right? Uh avoid these middle market economies which is really the deadly sin I'm talking about, right? Like when things Get doomy and duck days always happen over a 20-year period. You do not run real estate in the single market economies with no industry because if the jobless rate increases, there are, you know, real challenges, right? Like those places are not favorable to the marketplace at all. Remember, treat real estate like a business and never panic from doom doom is just something you have to deal with as a property investor there's doomy days right now uh you know you can do what you can to support the doom buy into the doom uh and also defeat the doom it's just the way it works hey shout out to my beautiful wife for helping all those uh people inside of the ukraine you are a champion uh what you're doing over there so um hey this one's for you all right, that's it. See you later, guys. Thanks for tuning in to the Urban Property Investor. To never miss an episode, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app or on YouTube. I would love it if you could give the show a rating and share it with your friends and family. In between episodes, you can always keep in touch with me by connecting on social media over Facebook, Instagram or LinkedIn. Until we meet again on the next episode of the Urban Property Investor, take care and bye for now.